how is everybody doing this morning? You doing well? Man, have you ever noticed that you never get greeted or asked how you're doing more than at the local church? You know what I mean? Like you got greeted 17,000 times today. You had a parking lot attendant, you had a greeter, you probably had somebody in the, in the lobby in one of our locations, you had an Action Kids team member maybe. And while we're, doing, uh, while we're going through that list, can we give it up for all of our Action Kids team members? Just every time, every time you think about them, pray for them. Encourage them, give them a gift card. They are wiping somebody's butt while you're worshiping. You know what I mean? That's just hopefully just in the nursery, but it gets a little crazy back there. And so we just thank an Action Kids worker today. You get greeted. Church is like an introvert's worst nightmare. You're just like, you were just thrust into all of this social interaction. And so we're sorry and we're not sorry. We're just throwing you into it. It really is kind of funny how many times we greet you and ask you how you're doing. You're like, I told you three times. We're not strong listeners from the platform is really all I'm trying to say, hey, we're excited. Uh, week two, uh, it is written. Going to get there in just uh, a moment uh, in Luke's Gospel, chapter four. A couple things uh, that the team has asked me to, to highlight to you today. Next week is Palm Sunday, and uh, we're going to enter into kind of uh, Holy Week. And at Action Church, we really focus Easter weekend around the celebration of the resurrection. God has blessed us with multiple locations and and large crowds of people, especially on Easter. And so we take Easter weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and do identical services across all of our locations, really celebrating the resurrection. So a few years ago, we decided we're gonna take Palm Sunday and really focus on the significance uh, of the sacrifice of Jesus uh, on the cross, and we're going to uh, take part in communion every Palm Sunday. So come prepared for that. Really going to be uh, a special time in church uh, next week. And if you uh, call Action Online Home, uh, make sure throughout this week uh, you're getting uh, some elements ready, or you're going to be doing communion with Doritos and Mountain Dew, and that's fine. Uh, that's fine. But just you know, maybe maybe grab a little grape juice and some bread this week and uh, and do that with us. The, the last thing I want to announce uh, is that Easter Sunday, we're starting a brand new uh, ministry, if you will. We're going to have Spanish translation every weekend at Action Church. And so at Action Church, we exist to reach people where they are and connect them to everything God has for their life. And to reach people where they are, you have to go to where they are. And so we're really excited about a new demographic. So if you have people that uh, your workplace and your neighborhood, uh, friends and family uh, that have not been able to take part uh, in an Action Church uh, worship service because of a language barrier. We are starting that uh, every service on Easter Sunday. So every service at every location will have a Spanish translation. How we're going to do that uh, is on our website in the info center. We're going to have access to a free app. So we'll have a team led by Pastor uh, Claudia at Sanford uh, translating live uh, every service on Easter Sunday. And then following uh, that week, every other week after that, just the 1030 service at all locations, uh, we'll have a live uh, Spanish translation. Again, you can go to the info center or the website, download that free app, uh, and then log right in, and we'll do, uh, be a part of the service uh, together. It is written uh, week two. We're going to be in Luke chapter four again, and then kind of bounce around in some different passages. I'm going to spend some time in Ezekiel and Ecclesiastes today. And so I thought we'd start off with a little more fun game of, of is it written or a little true or false, if you will. If you do not enjoy the first two minutes, uh, that's fine. But again, we're going to Ecclesiastes and uh, and uh, Ezekiel a little bit later. And so fun's gonna stop in about three minutes. We're talking about temptation today and sin. And so if you miss out on the fun, I can't help you. I prepared for you. And I just wanna remind you, courtesy laughs sound the same as real laughs when you're this far away. 
And so I found a few things uh, that, are, that are maybe in the Bible or, or not in the Bible. Maybe they're common sayings or, or they're verses. Uh, the first one is, it is written, to thine own self be true. In the Bible or not in the Bible? It's, it's not in the Bible. In fact, in fact the, the, you know, that whole statement to be true to yourself, it, it's, it's just not a good way to live because we know you and you know you and you're crazy. And uh, here's the next one. Uh, uh, it is written uh, that God helps those who help themselves. No, it's just not in there. Sounds good. Appreciate the effort. Uh, appreciate uh, the, the, the sentiment, but it's just not in there. In fact, God actually, uh, God's power is made perfect in our weakness, so it's kind of actually the, the, the opposite uh, of that. Here, here's one that gets confused a lot. Uh, it is written that money is the root of all evil. Is that in there? You know, first service was like, yes, it is. No, it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. You gotta have money to like put gas in the car and way more money this year than last year. And you gotta have money to go to the grocery store, put those kids through college or whatever. Maybe money's not evil. The love of money uh, is. I got, I got a couple more, one more Bible and then a couple of really weird laws that I found that I think uh, could or could not be true. Here's the last one. It's written, uh, let beer be for those who are perishing and wine for those who are in anguish. It's in the Bible, it's Proverbs. And so, man, if you really wanna, you really wanna find somebody, uh, Solomon, if you read some Proverbs, some Song of Psalms, Ecclesiastes, man, that's a roller coaster of emotions that guy, that guy went through. And a uh, big fan uh, of Solomon. Uh, here's, uh, is it written, uh, these are some laws that I found, international laws. Is it written that it's illegal to hike naked in Switzerland? That is true, it is illegal. Uh, should be illegal everywhere. I don't know why, just in Switzerland. Uh, just a good, prudent decision to clothe yourself with righteousness and garments in Jesus' name. Uh, it's illegal to blow your nose while hiking in Switzerland. That's not true, that's false. That's just made that one up. Uh, here's one, uh, and this is gonna get a lot of you. Uh, in Portugal, is it written that it's illegal to pee in the ocean? That actually is true. And I just want you to know a little public service announcement for everybody here at Floridians. We know what you're doing when you walk in the water three times on a Saturday afternoon waist deep. Like, you know what I mean? Like, at least hide it a little bit better. I'm not saying it's right, wrong, or different. I'm just saying it's weird to watch. So just be better at covering that up. All right, let's go to Luke 4. Invite the Holy Spirit back into the room. Some of you are like, I just don't even know if this is church. It is. We're, go we're, go we're going there. We're going there. Luke chapter 4. We're going to read about the temptation of Jesus, and I want to read the full context again, uh, one, because I know we have new people uh, every single week, uh, but I also want to read it to make sure we're all on the same page of what's happening here when Jesus is tempted by the enemy. He's right after uh, he's been baptized by John the Baptist, the heavens have opened up, uh, God the Father looked down and uh, said, this is my son uh, in whom I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And then we find here, chapter four, verse one, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, that'll be important in a little bit, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, that was his baptism. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time, and he became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become the loaf of bread. We studied this last week. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone that I please. I will give them to you uh, if you will worship me. 
We're gonna camp out on this one today. Then Jesus replied, the scriptures say, or New King James Version, it is written, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Verse nine, then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect and guard you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Then Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Verse 13, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. What we find here is that we're all gonna be tempted. We studied last week in Hebrews that we serve a high priest that was tempted in every way. So this wasn't the only time that, that, that Jesus was tempted. It wasn't just three times. It was throughout his life tempted in every way that you and I are, are tempted. So what that lets us know is that we have an enemy that loves to tempt. We also studied last week, temptation is not sin. It's the giving into it. So how do we, how do we respond to temptation, specifically this type of temptation. I wanna go to 1 John chapter two and talk about these the schemes of the enemy because these three temptations fit into these three categories. And if you think about it, all sin kind of starts or gets its initiation from these three categories. 1 John chapter two, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. We're talking about the second one today, the, the desires of the, the eyes. What we see, the, 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 the power struggle. And I just want you to know today that we have a real enemy. We have a real enemy and his name is Satan. The Old Testament called Lucifer an angel of light before he was cast down. We have a real enemy, and I think it's important to talk about it. Come on, if you played sports growing up and you, you had a big uh, baseball game or football game or, or, or basketball game, you would always watch film. You'd have a scouting report. You would prepare. So if you and I have something, someone that is at work against us, that is fighting, spending their whole being and existence trying to keep us from Jesus or distract us from his call on our life, we should know who we're up against. We should know who we're fighting. Satan says things like, I can give you authority, splendor, kingdoms, power, pleasure, things of this world. And that's his main goal, was to take our eyes off of Jesus and to put them on ourselves. You and I should never be nominated for the best actor in our own life. We're not it. Now we should stand on the platform as a nominee for best supporting actor, hopefully with a little more security than the Oscars last week. You know what I mean? Like, you're a supporting actor. You're not the main thing. And the enemy wants us to take our eyes off of Jesus being the main character in this story that he's writing and that you and I are merely meant to support it. But we've bought into these, these lies, if you will, and the lie, put it simply as this, the lie is the goal of life is to gain the world. Power, influence, money, fame, etc. The real promise, and a promise from Scripture, not just an idea, not just an opinion, a promise from Scripture is this. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world 
but to lose his soul. What good is it for us to gain everything that the enemy or the world has, but lose our soul? And doing a scouting report on the enemy, maybe a little film session, I wanna give you a couple of things. I wanna describe who he is and what he's doing. The first thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes about our enemy, Satan, is this. Satan is attractive. He's attractive and his ways are attractive. Satan was an angel of light created by God with, with beauty. He was heaven's worship leader, meant to, to orchestrate the angels into worshiping in the presence of God. In Ezekiel chapter 28, it says this, you, talking about Lucifer, Satan, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone adorned you, carnelian, chrysolite, emerald, topaz, onyx, jasper, turquoise, beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud The focus turned to him. One of the greatest temptations is when our focus goes off of God and the things of God and onto ourselves. Your heart became proud. One more time, your heart became proud on account of your own beauty. And you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to earth. What happened is that Lucifer was the worship leader. He was the organizer. He was made in beauty. And what was supposed to go from the angels to God, he began to allow to stop with him. He began to take the praise that was only due for our creator and began to take his own glory in the moment. And that's what he does. He attracts people to himself and he attracts people to themselves. And he's good at it. Come on, he convinced one third of the angels who from their very creation were in the tangible presence of God to leave. So we cannot think that we don't have an enemy that knows what he's doing. We can't think that we have an enemy that, that, that is not gonna be manipulative and persuasive he is attractive, both in his description, in his being, and what he wants to do with your life. It will be attractive for you and I to fall. And if the angels can be deceived, we, we are way, way too puffed up or proud in our own decision-making morality to think that we can't be deceived as well. But resisting him and the draw he has can only be done by one way, and that is the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter four, verse one. Jesus goes into the temptation. Luke chapter four, verse one. says, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. 
baptized, dove descends, Jesus, full of the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, the power that he walked in was the Holy Spirit's power. I need you to know today that you and I cannot overcome temptation except with being full of the Holy Spirit. It is not a morality contest. It is not a list of do's and don'ts. It is not trying harder. It is not disciplines first. It is understanding that it is being full of the Holy Spirit and his power that gives us the ability to overcome temptation and live a life of purity and far from sin. First service clap there. You missed it. No pity clap. Move on. Satan is attractive. Do better. Satan is attractive. Number two. Satan, you gotta catch this today. Satan has limited power. Satan has limited power. He takes Jesus up to see the power that he has accumulated on earth. Like that was gonna impress Jesus. He's good, but he doesn't realize how defeated he is. He's he's talking to Jesus. He ain't talking to you and me. He's like, look at all that I can give you. Did he forget that the Bible says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, and then Jesus, became, the word became flesh, Jesus. Jesus was there. When nothing was created, he was there. When everything was created, and then Satan is now offering him these little pieces of property in compared to the expansiveness of God's kingdom. But I need you to see that perspective today that what he's offering you is always a counterfeit. It looks great. Jesus, you can rule the whole world. Jesus is like, why would I settle for the world when I'm the king of the universe? But that's what we do. It looks so attractive in the moment, the money, the power, the pleasure. I'm gonna take this. I'm gonna rule my life. I'm in charge of my life. The problem with being in charge of your own life is that one day you'll answer for it. It'd be fun here, but eternity is longer. It's an illusion, church. The same thing that happened to Jesus will happen to us. That Satan's schemes, they're a scam. They're like a fake Instagram account, <laughs> which I have several. Not me personally. I'm not trying to collect your money from WhatsApp, just so you know. Dear child of God, my beloved, I'm reaching out to you on behalf. Does that sound like me? Listen, if you followed them, sent them DMs, or sent them money, I just... The name's not even spelled right. And I don't say beloved. It looks the same. It's got the pictures. It's got the description. But it doesn't take a lot of research to be like, this doesn't seem right. And that's how we begin to get through these tempting moments of like, oh, the allure, the grandeur, the fame, the success. But if we begin to just look at the details, like that doesn't seem seem quite right because it's not right. It's a, it's a scam because his power is always deceitful because his power is limited. But I need to remind somebody today at Winter Park or one of our locations that God's power is not limited. God's power is infinite. And we're trading in a, a worldly, an eternal kingdom for a worldly kingdom. And, and God's power being infinite is not my opinion. First Chronicles 29 verse 11, yours, yours, Lord, is the greatest, the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Not just earthly kingdoms, everything is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head 
over all. But many, many of us will choose limited power over eternal power. We see it. Satan is good at his job, but he does it to us all. And we trade eternal principles and eternal calling for things like money, power, position, title, lifestyles. But we know, we know, because we've seen it in our own life and we're going to read about it from King Solomon and Ecclesiastes. We know that it's, it's just an illusion. We talked about it last week. When you get there on the other side of whatever it is, it's still you there. If I just had, come on, you've said it before. I've said, if I just had that, if I just had this, if I just had what they had, the problem is when we get what we thought we wanted, what do we want now? Just a little bit more. Because it's not fulfilling. It's the next championship. It's the next promotion. It's the next raise. It's the next house. It's the next car because we pretend or the enemy convinces us that something or someone's going to fulfill us. And it's just not true. King Solomon is an expert on this because he achieved and had anything and everything that a human would ever want. Here's what he writes in Ecclesiastes chapter two. Most scholars believe King Solomon being the second, second richest man to ever live on the earth. Ecclesiastes two, verse one through 11. I said to myself, this is Solomon, come on, let's try pleasure. Probably all been there. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. So I said, laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? After much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. And while still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself, by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water, to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I also enlarged herds of flocks, more than any of the kings who had ever lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire, exclamation mark. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me. In my wisdom, it, it never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything, I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere because it's an illusion. If the enemy can keep us chasing things and people and significance, he can keep us from true fulfillment because it's always the next thing. Solomon got it all. True wisdom is oftentimes not learning from your own experience, but somebody else's experience. He's saying, I, I did it. And listen, I don't care what your vice is, what your priority is, what you think could do. Like he said, I had everything under the sun. Like you're, you're reading from someone who, who did it all, had it all, and said, hey, it didn't work. 
and yet we still fall for it. Trading an eternal kingdom for some earthly glory or fame or pleasure. So what should we do? Now we have an understanding of who our enemy is, who our God is. What what do we do, church? Mark chapter eight, verse 34 through 37. Then he called to the crowd, Jesus, crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple, again, this is Jesus talking, must, and here's the three things, we're gonna walk through these together, deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes to his father's glory with his holy angels. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. That is how we overcome sin. That is how we come into right standing with a relationship with Jesus. That is how we avoid temptation or get through temptation. And here's the three things. Deny yourself means giving of yourself actually saves your true self. It sounds counterintuitive. It sounds backward to our American mindset. But giving of yourself away, denying yourself, actually is the thing you and I can do the most to actually set ourselves up for success. Walking in humility over arrogance. Walking in service over being served. I'm just here to tell you, if you haven't tried it, I don't care if you believe all that we believe. I don't care if you're ready to make a decision to follow Jesus. If you just want to feel better, there's a principle in the earth that when you help, when you serve, when you give, giving of yourself actually is something that makes you feel better. Now, biblically speaking, we know we do it because we're obedient and God gave to us, so we give to others. But I'm not trying to get you all the way there. Just try it. You will never help somebody and be like, oh, that was miserable. (laughs) You know, I really regret, I really regret helping with a Christmas store. You know, just seeing all those kids get Christmas, just really, what a waste of time. Man, unbelievable. Never doing that again. You know, I hate it giving time or resource to somebody that was hurting. I, I hate, you know what, I really hated going to the hospital and meeting with that person and praying with them and laughing with them and crying with them. You know, just, I just really can't think of a worse way to spend my afternoon. You're just never gonna say that. The enemy wants you to make it all about you because he knows that once you take your eyes off of you, first off onto Jesus and onto others, he's gonna lose control because his main strategy is to get you to focus on you. Giving of yourself actually saves your true self. Here's the second one. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Write this down. We have to embrace suffering. It's not popular. I didn't expect a lot of amens. Zero claps expected on that one. Suffering, yay. Take up your cross. Like, that could be your calling, that could be obedience, all, all, all good things that we could preach, but if you really wanna get like just very practical, take up an instrument of death, of suffering. And we don't like it, but it's all throughout. New Testament, Paul says if we can't share in the sufferings of Jesus, we can't share in the glory. 
Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. We don't like to talk about it, but it's there. So what I'm trying to say is don't always run from hard. We think, God, I'm going to get saved, and I'm going to start serving, and I'm going to start giving, and there's a, the, the path is going to open up, and every time the answer is yes from God, it's going to be an open door and a wide path, and it's going to be easy. My recollection, Matthew writes and says, wide is the road to destruction. The easy path is oftentimes not the path. And if we're going to have a proper view of temptation and sin, removing it from our life, we have to deny ourselves, but we have to take up our cross and realize there could be suffering, but it's not meant to destroy us. It's meant to allow us to focus on Jesus. And I want you to hear today, sometimes the pain is the point. Because without the pain, you would never take the focus off of you and put it on Jesus. Sometimes the suffering causes us to go from independence to dependence on him. Sometimes he uses it to get our attention. So I'm not saying we seek it. Don't be crazy. (laughs) But I'm saying when it comes that we embrace it and say, God, I don't know what you're doing or why you're doing it, but what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna trust in you and I'm gonna use whatever comes my way for my benefit and for your glory. And embrace suffering. Here's the last one. We gotta let God lead. Follow me. Problem with us And when it comes to our temptation and our battle with sin and really just following Jesus in general is we're terrible followers. Come on, we don't listen to anybody. If you're like me, you get like a GPS. You're like, I think that's the wrong way. I think I know a faster way. (laughs) Literally computer systems, whole job. Shortest route. No, can't be. (laughs) Stupid. We don't follow well. Is Jesus leading you or are you just including him in your life? Come on, once a week, I'm here, Pastor. More like once a month for most Action Church members, but we love you. Thanks for coming this weekend. If you're online, we'll see you in three weeks. We include him where we want to include him, but he's not leading us. If you're never asking any questions in your prayer time, God's not leading you, you're just including him. God, what do you want me to do? And what should I do here? And and, and the next step is we start asking questions, but if you're like me, sometimes when you don't get the answer you want, you just rephrase the question. I don't think you heard me. Let me be a little more clear. And we just start rephrasing the question until we get the answer. And he's like, wait a second, I'm in charge. Deny yourself, take up your cross follow. One of the ways in which we should follow Jesus in regards to this series is the example that he gives us and how to actually practically deal with temptation. Full of the Holy Spirit and using God's word, not his ideas. Can you imagine all the good arguments Jesus would have had? Jesus! He could have went, they could have had two podiums and had a full debate with Satan in the wilderness. Nope. He didn't argue, Satan misquotes scripture. Jesus did not waste his time breaking down Satan's theology of the scripture. He said, yeah, 
good point. It's also written, here we go, on to the next thing. You know why? Because he didn't wanna waste his time winning an argument that didn't matter. Jesus would've been great on Facebook. Because you're 47 comments in that thread and ain't nobody changing their mind. Too many of you are entertaining and arguing with the enemy who's never gonna change. He is the accuser of brethren. He is the thief. You're trying to rationalize and argue and convince. And Jesus, and he just said, it's written. And then I'm gonna shut up and move on. I don't got time for any more of this talk. I got things to do. Too many of us are arguing with others and even arguing with ourselves, arguing with the enemy and we need to respond to this sin and temptation like Jesus and say, it is written, moving on. What he's referencing here I think is important and I wanna close with it, is in Deuteronomy chapter six, what he references here, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Deuteronomy six, verse 13. But I, I wanna do some study this week. I wanna kinda give some context to the book of Deuteronomy for a second. It's in the Old Testament. It's written to the people of Israel by Moses. And it's very similar to the book of Exodus. A lot of the same stories, a lot of the same principles. But it's significant because of its timing and its approach. Deuteronomy was set in a significant time for the Israelites. The Israelites had traveled for 40 years in the desert. By then, a whole generation, the ones that had seen God's provision and heard his laws, passed away. A new generation had arisen who only knew what they had heard. The purpose of Deuteronomy to the original audience was that of reiterating the law and applying it to their lives as they were about to enter the promised land. Thus Deuteronomy is intended to formalize the covenant between God and Israel and calls for the people to live in obedience to God's laws. It's an opportunity for this new generation to renew the covenant before entering the promised land. Moses, their leader, knew that he would not enter the land with his people. So he must share his heart, God's heart, before this time. It is his last chance to remind this new generation of God's miraculous provision and the journey on which he led them. This is, this is the context of what Jesus is quoting here. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse 13. Jesus says, deeply respect God, your God. Serve and worship him exclusively. There's no shared platform. It's just God. Back up your promises with his name only, which means that we speak, we lead, we answer from a place of surrender. What does God say about it? That's, it's not our word, it's God's word. Don't fool around with other gods, the gods of your neighbors, because God, your God, who is alive among you, is a jealous God. So here's three takeaways I wanna get from when Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 6. And I don't have time to teach them because I, I preached too long. Here's the first one. You can't worship God if you're in the way. You can't worship God if you're in the way. Worship the God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. You gotta get out of the way. You gotta surrender. Second thing, write this down. Praise is for God alone. Lucifer kept for himself what was meant to go to God. 
And if I'm being really honest, it's probably one of the greatest temptations that a church or a Christian that is fulfilling the Great Commission will be tempted with is that you will begin to take credit for what God is doing. Look at what I gave. Look at what my church did. You're not great. Action Church is not great. God is great. And we have an opportunity, check this, to be a filter of heaven's resources and power to a broken and hurting generation. And then when they meet Jesus and there's glory to be given, we are a filter back to God. When they say, thank you, we say, you're welcome, but don't thank me. We are a filter of praise and worship back to him. That's how we overcome temptation, the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God. You bow your heads at every location, every head bowed, every eye closed. God, we love you. God, we thank you for your word in Ecclesiastes and Ezekiel, Luke 4, 1 John chapter 2. We thank you that it's living and active, it can change us. Church, every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity right now to, to receive Jesus. We talked about the, the plan. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow. What does that look like? Book of Romans says we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that he is Lord. We've talked all about it today. He wants to be in control of your life. He is Lord of all or not Lord at all. This is not a game where we pick and choose. We surrender. But you have that ability right now for the first time ever or by recommitting your life, maybe for the first time in a long time, to say, Jesus, I give you access to everything. I'm denying myself. I'm taking up your cross, and I am following you in every area of my life. If that's you today, and you want to make that decision here at Winter Park or Oviedo, Sanford, South Orlando, come on in your home right now, worshiping with Action Online, I want to give you that opportunity to receive Jesus. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up really quickly? Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Anybody else? Yep. Receiving Jesus today, yeah, yeah. In the back, stadium. Oviedo, South and Sanford, see you. More importantly, God sees you. It's the Holy Spirit that's moving in your heart right now. It's not the words that I'm saying. It's a decision that you're making. Your spirit to say, God, I give you control. Put your hands down. Would you pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud? Say this, say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. And I am confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord. God, I give you that place today, complete and total control. God, have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, God, I pray for all of us, every single one of us. I pray that you give us the proper perspective. We would see the schemes and attacks for what they are. They are counterfeits, they are scams, and we would rely on the infinite power of God in our life to overcome what the enemy has so that we can walk into all that you have for us. God, we love you. We thank you for meeting us here today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody at Action Church said amen and amen. Church, can we celebrate all of the decisions? Come on, really celebrate them.